Hi, I'm BJ Council, founder of UN50. As a retired police officer and executive, this job led me to my life's purpose. I served humans experiencing varying levels of crisis, trying to get jobs, housing, educational needs, health care, but due to personal barriers or overworked systems, these humans aren't able to obtain life's simple goal of just being stable. I believe if basic human needs are met, the need for law enforcement interactions are lessened. Welcome back, everybody, to you and 5 uh, For those of you that are joining us for the first time, thank you for joining us the first time. And for those of you that listen to us uh, frequently, thank you again for your support. You and 5 uh, those of you who have been here know that I am a retired law enforcement and UN50 is about teaching individuals how to safely interact with law enforcement, but it's actually a little bigger than that. It's about helping community members uh, navigate law enforcement and other issues uh, that deal with that, substance abuse, mental health, community policing, those types of things, a broader perspective, it's not just about the interaction. So we try to have different types of conversations about that. So tonight, um, and just so people know, we're I'm recording out of Durham, North Carolina, the Bull City. And uh, I want to thank uh, Chief of Apex, uh, Jason Armstrong, for joining us. And um, I really appreciate you taking the time and talk to us. First of all, before you get started, I've got to really give a shout out to my friend April, who introduced me and told me about a conversation you had with her uh, at a conference. Yes. And uh, once she told me about some of the things that you talked about, a little bit about your speech, I was like hooked. And when I went to your <laughs> when I went to your site, I was like, oh my God, this is the guy right here. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank um, you. Thank no, you. yeah, thank you for, for, for what you do. So you want to talk a little bit about I know you you came to Apex in 2021. You want to kind of talk about, you know, your your how you got to Apex? Sure. Uh so I, I'll start with, you know, the 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 banner that's hanging behind me, uh the <laughs> North Carolina Central University. Homecoming. Uh, yes, 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 yeah. Just wrapped up homecoming this weekend. Um, so but I, I grew up in North Carolina and and I remember uh when I was in college, I grew up in Fayetteville, um, North Carolina, and then going to school in Durham. And so my my drive from Fayetteville to Durham. Uh, back in the day of Highway 55 before, you know, it was <laughs> developed to what it is now. Those uh, trees. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, brought me brought me through Apex every right. time I traveled back and forth to, to Durham. Right. Yep. And and so when I graduated from, from Central, I moved to Georgia, and that's where I started my law enforcement career um, in the Atlanta metro area at a city called Forest Park, Georgia. And so I was there for 18 years, um, you know, rose through the ranks there. And, and even uh, served a short stint as the interim police chief there. And, and when I got into the chief seat uh, in Forest Park, you know, that really gave me the ability to, to really just explore and, and expand just ideas and different things that I, I felt very passionate about that, you know, we could improve our relationship with the, the members of our community. Uh, in 2014, when Mike Brown was shot and killed in Ferguson, Missouri, um, you know, just watching on TV, you know, what was going on and and the, the just the unrest and the rioting and the destruction and the burning buildings and everything uh, that, that that community suffered through, uh, it got my attention. I was a captain at the time. Uh-huh. And, and I remember, you know, I, I hadn't seen anything like it before in my career. 
And 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 so I, I followed that incident. You know, a lot of people when when something like that happens, we you know we see all of the media coverage on it in the moment. And then once that news story dies down, we move on to the next thing. We don't pay any attention to what happened up there. Uh-huh. And 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 I I mean I you know I, that was normally my routine also. So I'm guilty of that just as anybody right. else. Right. That incident was different for me. And and so months and months later, it wasn't until 2015 that the DOJ released their report uh, on Ferguson. And so man, I read the report when it came out. Mm-hmm. And in reading that report, one thing that really stuck with me. Uh, stuck out to me was how similar what was going on in Ferguson, what was going on in my community in Georgia in Forest Park. Mm-hmm. And some of the things that they were saying that community members were saying about the police department were things that I knew people were saying about my police department in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so I couldn't help but, but think like, all right, if that shooting would have happened here in Forest Park with, with one of my officers, would we have seen the same type of, you know, community response? And, and, you know, I, I didn't know the answer to that question. And, but I, what, what I did feel as though is, you know, we, there was a lot more that we could do out in the community to strengthen relationships um, and, and to, to work on our um, reputation, you know, with people in the community. And so that's what, you know, I got to work trying to do. Uh, but when you're trying to do something new, that that hasn't been done, you know, in an organization before is scary to a lot of people. And, you know, I was the only black person in our command staff. Uh, I was the first ever black person in our command staff in Forest Park. And so the ideas that I'm bringing forward and the things that I'm asking to do, you know, not that they were against it, you know, it just, you know, the, the leadership just didn't feel comfortable with a lot of that stuff. And it was out of their comfort zone. Different. Um, yeah, and, and it was different. And so, you know, some of the things that I wanted to do that I felt very confident could work, I didn't get an opportunity to do mm-hmm. until I became the interim chief. And then once I got that, you know, man, we, we hit the ground running um, and and we did a lot of positive stuff mm-hmm. and, and saw a lot of positive results. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I knew that formula worked. Right. what I experienced down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, never in a million years did I ever think that I would be uh, selected and hired t- to be the police chief in Ferguson, Missouri. Um, but but in 2019, you know, that's that's what happened. And so I went up to Ferguson to, to lead, lead that department and, and lead the reforms in the community building um, that was going on up there. Um, and And while I was in Ferguson, George Floyd was unfortunately killed um, up in up in Minneapolis, and and you know just everything that unfolded around the country, um, right. as but especially in Ferguson, um, right. with, with Ferguson's history and 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 Ferguson, you know just from the 2014 um, right. incident, uh, we saw you know a decent amount of, of violence towards law enforcement and destruction and and everything else uh, in the aftermath of George Floyd being killed. Um, and, and then, you know, and we're dealing with that in the middle of a pandemic that none of us have ever experienced before. Um, and so just, just all of those things, you know, me, me and my wife, we had, we had never really seriously talked about moving back home to North Carolina because my wife is from North Carolina also. Um, but, you know, after spending, after being in Ferguson for a couple of years, um, and just everything that was going on, family dynamic and everything, you know, we, we, we started thinking about it and then this opportunity came, came open. Um, and so once, you know, once we started looking at it and, and looking in, into things here, you know, it just made sense to explore this opportunity um, to, to come back home to North Carolina. Cool. Thanks for that. Um, 
I had your bio from uh, Miss Garcia. Thumbs up to her. She's awesome. Uh, yes, very much so. Yeah, I mean, very much so. Give her a shout out, man, because people, you know, they those are the individuals you don't see, but they're the ones that keep the keep the building standing. <laughs> yes, yes, they 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 make they make me look good. Yeah, they make you look good. Uh, you talked about the the report that came out of DOJ after uh, Michael Brown, uh, and I read that too. And um, the other part of that, I mean, I know you, you know, obviously being in law enforcement, saw stuff that you could change in the agency. What I took away from it. Obviously, we're some of that stuff too, but also um, the stories that people don't, the media doesn't go back and talk about. You know, the the witnesses that saw what happened and why they found the officer not guilty because of the things that 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 were happening. And so, for me, a lot of work that I try to do is like like you said, all they see is what happens on the thirty second loop on the media and the press, and go on about the business. But when you start digging into it afterwards, then you go, oh, that didn't exactly a little bit more to that story than just them, you know, feeding you this for the next, you know, few minutes. So, so yeah, I mean, I, and I try to talk to people about that. Did you know that, you know, there were a lot of witnesses who were African-Americans that said at least one, one or two, I think, said they would have shot him sooner. And that that's not information that's, you know, nobody talks about that. Yeah. Um, so th those types of things is information that I try to make sure in those spaces that the full story is told. And, and I tell folks, you can still walk out of the room not liking a popo, but here's the rest of the story, you know? Yeah, and, and with, with that that incident, you know, when I got to Ferguson, a lot of people, you know, naturally asked me questions uh, yeah. about that that incident and what were my thoughts on it. And yeah. um, and, and here, here's the thing is, is we will never know 100% truth of what happened out there that day. Right, um, exactly. Yeah, and 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 so, but, but what, what I do know and what I feel very confident in saying is is you know if there was a, a magic box that allowed us to go back in time i am certain that there are things that uh darren wilson would have done differently that day and in that interaction right. just the same as i'm certain that there are things that uh michael brown jr would have done differently um right. in in that interaction um but life doesn't work that way and and you know we all have to move forward you know with the decisions that we make um yeah. and you know, as as complicated and as tragic as as some of these things are, um, you know, all 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 we can do is 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 go with the, the hand that we've been dealt, um, and try to make the best of the situation as we move forward and as we navigate, and also understanding the complexities of what that looks like and and how people are impacted differently, um, you know, in that space. Uh, you know, being in law enforcement. All right, man, I understand the impacts of, of law enforcement being involved in an in officer uh, involved shooting, whether it was a justified shooting and unjustified shooting, you know, doesn't matter. But also the same as I mean, being a black man in the United States of America, I understand the complexities that are um, associated with that at times. Exactly. And, and being in this profession and, and having both of those dynamics that play for you. Um, yeah you know, is, is something that, you know, it's not easy to, to navigate. It's not easy to balance. Um, and, and at the end of the day, you know, man, we just try to speak, you know, speak, speak to the truth of things, speak to our truth, uh, of things. And, and for me, you know, mm -hmm. that comes in as being a, a lifetime police officer, but also being a, a minority also. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 
you know, everybody's not always going to like, you know, your outlook on things. Right. Um, and, and that's, you know, that, that shouldn't be your, your aim. You know, your aim should mm-hmm. be is to, to speak about, you know, what your experiences are, what your lived experiences are and, and how you bring those lived experiences, you know, with you along this journey and how you show up in the spaces that you show up in um, to, to try to help. Um, or, or to try to, you know, build understanding or build community uh, or just knock down some of the differences that we that we have with one another. Yeah, and I appreciate you saying that too because it is it is about navigating, especially being African-Americans in law enforcement because uh, a lot of times you walk into a space and instead of seeing you as a human being, they all they see is a uni- uniform and they don't understand the story. And then also, you know, your colleagues, you know, just, just because you're a white male does not mean you're racist. And then unfortunately in this climate, um, that's what we're dealing with. It's just, you know, trying to let folks understand, please judge that individual because, you know, the work is, you know, Chauvin doesn't work for Apex, North Carolina, you know, so don't apply that, you know, try to let folks know, have that, if you're having interaction and it's not a good interaction, it's the individual officer mm-hmm. and, 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 and engage it from, from that perspective. So I kind of want to talk about, um, <laughs> your message, I'm not laughing. I was just, I love it, man. I want to let you stuff your your uh, message from the chief. I, and you kind of talked about it already. Uh, uh, I really appreciate you starting out, talk to, you know, the community. Uh, and I know you know this, but I want the community to know, folks that listen, if they want to check it out. Uh, you start out with hoping that they can find information that's, that's useful to them. That's the first thing you kind of talk about, right? Then you kind of mm-hmm. go into why you're here and your family and all that. Um, so I, re- I really appreciate uh, appreciate that but what really kind of was two things that sold me was you like the first thing was my the statement so who is Jason Armstrong right mm-hmm. and I appreciate that because one of the things that are that we that you're a human being first right you're not defined by that uniform and I think that that's just so cool that you do that to remind it's Jason that you're talking to it's not I mean yeah you're talking to the chief but you're really talking to Jason yeah. And so I, I appreciate that. And I think that is so cool that you do that. And I think that's that's the way we need to be. We need to make sure people understand we're human beings and we're interacting with other human beings. And as you say, whatever that lens is, you're bringing into that space uh, and recognize that that's, that that's that other human's interaction, that's that other human's perspective. So I appreciate you on that level just doing that. I mean, I'm, I, <laughs> I was just a fan of that. and. So I, the other thing is that also on there, I, again, I just, the whole thing about telling the community, which is an imperative, and what I try to preach to them is telling the community members, not just how to interact with police, but telling them how to ask the agency how they want to be served by law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, if you know, how, if they're not, if, to be complimentary of the work that is that you're doing if they believe you're doing a good job but also if you're not hold you to expectations so i guess how do you how do you with that for me that's kind of how you start with this getting the support of the community so kind of talk about that a little bit that philosophy so the the number one thing that can uh impact uh your persona your perception um, in in the community is if people feel as though one that you're not approachable and two that you don't care what what they tell you about or, or what they bring to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so one thing that I preach 
is is you know us having a, a customer service approach to how we do policing. Now that doesn't mean that the customer is always right, and I always have to you know remind people about that. You, you can be customer service focused, but that doesn't mean that the customer is always right. And and so what you know what I, I love to to have in in the the interactions that I love to have is is I always want people to know in the field, if nothing else that the Apex Police Department is going to be responsive to you. Now that doesn't equal that you're going to like what that response is or that response is always going to be in your favor or you're always going to be happy with us. That's not what that means. Right. But we're always going to be responsive to you. And, and so what we're trying to build here is, is an organization that understands that how we have success and, and the measure of our success is tied to our connectedness to the community. Our connectedness to the community and then our connectedness to one another inside this organization. And if we understand that, and if that is at the foundation of what we're trying to build, it's gonna be hard for us to fail in that. It's gonna be hard for us to fail in that. And so, you know, all the ways that people can get in contact with us and communicate and bring information to us, we want people to take advantage uh, of that um, because, you know, one thing doesn't work for everybody and, and as, as, as many avenues as we can have to where people can communicate with us, people can interact with us and, and tell us what's going on in their communities, their neighborhoods or their businesses or, or what have you, that gives us an opportunity to be responsive to it and look and see what are we doing that's working or what are we doing that we're not doing enough of, or we need to make some adjustments, you know, here and there. And, and the only way that we are really going to know what that information is, is we got to get it from the community that, that we're serving. Um, and and I've, I've just always been, you know, real, real big on that. What can we do from a community outreach and engagement um, uh, strategy to, to drive discussion, you know, one of the things that that I'm often, you know, frustrated by when I hear people talk about community policing, uh, you know, they talk about community policing because they look at, you know, how many likes uh, somebody get off of a picture that they post. So the police post a picture and it's like, hey, man, I'm doing this. And so, you know, it's a nice, it's a great picture. And so, man, everybody loves the picture, but a picture doesn't equal community police. Right. And. And so we do a lot of events and we do a lot of engagement here and it's just to get people to come in. Mm -hmm. Once people come in, mm -hmm. all right, man, that's when, you know, that's when you get to work and, and that's where, you know, you're talking to people and you're learning and you're hearing, mm -hmm. you know, what, what is impacting them mm -hmm. in their daily lives right. uh, from a, a, either a crime perspective or quality life perspective. And, and what are we doing with that information and how are we utilizing it? Um, just yesterday, we had a, a coffee with a cop event, and I go out to that, and I, I meet a couple, and so I'm talking to them, and and one of the the challenges that we have here in Apex um, has to deal with traffic congestion because mm -hmm. so many people are moving here, and and you know just our, our road infrastructure right. um, is is not you know what what people want it to be or what it needs to be mm -hmm. um, for there to be less traffic, and mm -hmm. so I regularly get that feedback from people when I'm out and I'm talking to them at different events or just out in the community as a whole. And how does that transition into my work? Well, yesterday afternoon, I'm in a meeting and we're looking at some um, some traffic design plans that, you know, have been submitted. 
and and they're looking at okay do we want to you know have a four lane road up here or do we want to reduce it down to a three lane road because that will give us the flexibility to do this and do that i pipe up in that meeting i'm like hey i'm not a traffic designer and so i don't know all, everything that goes into it but i talk to people in the community my recommendation is for four lanes because if, if people knew that we had an option to go four lanes and we went with three lanes and then there's traffic on that street, man, we're never going to hear the end of it. So, you know, that that that's how you 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 build all of that stuff into you know what you have going on. And that's information that's just coming straight from community members. Where I may not have the data, I don't know what the data says for four lanes versus three lanes. That's not that's not that's not my space, that's not my world. Talking with people in the community is my space, is my world. And so, man, the things and the information that I get from them, I'm going to bring it back and, and we're going to talk about it, whether it's in my department or I'm talking with somebody in one of the other town departments um, to make sure that other people hear that information and take it into account. So that is is really feeding into the decisions that we make, you know, as as a, a community and as town government mm -hmm. um, to make sure that, you know, we're doing everything within our power. Now, it doesn't mean that we're going to end with four lanes. But the fact that they know that that's something that's going to be important to people, I mean, maybe we have a better communication strategy. And maybe we put better information together of how we explain to the community why this, we went with three lanes over four lanes and, and whatnot. And, and it's knowing that information and being able to talk to people about it, whether, you know, they may not like the end result. But if you can explain the why behind things, you know, people often are a little bit more comfortable with what the end result is if they have a better understanding of, of what got us there. Um, and so that's that's just really, you know, what I look at when we we talk about building community and, and people having access to us, um, not just, you know, when things are going good or when they're happy with us, but when they're upset or when they're frustrated. I need to know that, you know, just as much as I need to know the good stuff so we can we can look and see what we can do to, to try to try to impact it. But to go back all the way to the beginning, that's exactly right. Uh, with the customer service, I'm really, yeah, I'm definitely a fan girl of, of what the work that you're doing because I say customer service and people kind of look at me like, I said, no, it's, it's you know, we want to deliver customer service. You need to see how that, that service is being delivered to you. And you're right, talking because what we did here in Durham was called, it's still here, it's been here for almost 20 year plus years now, but it's called Partners Against Crime. The districts are and we have representatives from each of the city departments that go to those meetings so they have access because once we did the study we started it years ago by in the early 80s and they said well what's the most important thing to you community and mm -hmm. hopo was like number 5 <laughs> you know i was like parks and rec everything else was above so we we they they created the leadership back then just created this program that's still in existence now these pack meetings across each of these districts and they have representatives from each of the city divisions to come out and talk to them as so they'll know what's going on. I'll, I'll be able to ask that. So it really is. It's about the communications and being able to talk and deliver that service. And and law enforcement plays a really big role in that. Um, you know, getting around and, and talking to folks because it's not always about the crime. It's not always about yep. the crime. It's 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 deeper than that. It's about that community and what that community wants because it because one community is different. 
You know, one community is yelling about, I need over here enforcing speed limit. I got another community that can't sit out on the front porch and watch them speed. You know, so which which one of them, you know, I'm going to put my my resources in. The one that can't sit out on the porch is what, what I'm going to do. Well, and, and, and a big part that goes into that is is helping the other parts of your community understand the complexities of yeah. the entire community. Exactly. Um, exactly. You know, one, one thing that, uh, you know, I, I saw, you know, I saw a positive return on. Uh, when I was the chief in Ferguson, we started having these small group dialogue sessions um, between officers and community members. And when we first started, you know, we we were intentional about selecting or or asking community members to participate that were for that represented different segments of the community. Uh, and I, I'll never forget this. Um, so we we had a, a neutral facilitator. Um, drive drive these discussions so you know it wasn't anybody from the police department anybody from from the city right and and the question that the facilitator asked um everybody that was there was what keeps you up at night mm -hmm. simple question what keeps you up at night yep. but what was what was so impactful in that space was when community members started answering that question how different their answers were mm -hmm how different their answers were, but then also understanding, okay, this person lives in, in this part of the, the, the city, right. this person, and where it's not, it's not a, a long distance. We may be talking uh, two miles away. <laughs> two blocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, a mile, two miles away. And it was a completely different, um, just a, a completely different experience exactly. uh, living in the same town. And, and and so for them to hear that coming from another community member, yeah, that was that was impactful because you know for for me as the chief or or any of my officers, you know we go around to all of the neighborhoods and the, the community meetings and everything, and so we get all of the questions and we get the questions that are specific to that community. And so that's what I'm speaking to, um, and and a lot of times people want to see more of us. You know, I don't see officers enough and I want to see them more. And and I get that. What we have to help people understand is, is one, you know, when we don't have enough officers to have an officer on every street. No police department in the world has that. Right. And 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 we also have to look at the things that are impacting all the communities. And so I'm not saying that, you know, your issues are less important than anybody else else's right. issues. But because of the complexities with some of the issues that we have to deal with, sometimes I have to put more resources in other areas um, because, you know, if, if, if somebody breaks into your car and, and I, I hate for anybody to be victimized and right. I've had my car broken into before. So I understand the, the impact uh, that somebody feels when you feel violated and, and to, to that end and, and somebody breaks into your car and they steal something. And I want to be there to catch that person. I want my officers to be there to catch that person. Um, but it is, a, it is a difference in how we have to deploy resources where if over here, the issue is somebody's property being stolen versus over here where the issue is somebody's life being lost to violence. And or when we have violence over here, how we have to put so many resources over here right. to one, you know, try to address that effectively but then also, too, to make sure that the violence doesn't escalate because of, of what has happened. Mm -hmm. And and, and it, it's hard as a police chief, man, it is hard to tell that to people. That, hey, you know, how you're being victimized 
is is not you know it's not at the level where I can I can put more resources over here because I have other issues I have other problems going on over here, but but that's I mean that that is what is required and those are the conversations that we have to have and and that we have to you know we have to explain to people at times, um and and there is no easy way to say that, but that's where the relationship building uh, the relationship building piece of it is is important because if you show up. And if you show up as often as you can show up mm -hmm. and people get to know who you are as an individual. And I tell people all the time, man, you know, Jason Armstrong is who I am. Chief Armstrong is what I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and so, man, if, if people get to, to learn who Jason Armstrong is right. and, and they get to know my heart and, and, and how passionate I am about everybody in my community, mm -hmm. all the areas of my community. And, and I, I wish that nothing bad ever happened anywhere. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we, we know, man, bad things are, are going to happen. Mm -hmm. And, and there are people out there that look to take advantage of the prey on, you know, people, um, you know, in, in that way. Um, and, and, but people knowing that as things happen, we're going to be responsive to that. Like it, it's all, it's all connected. This whole thing is 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 connected in in the work that we're trying to do. Where if people trust that, man, we're going to be responsive to their needs. If they email the police chief, that I'm actually going to take the time to respond to their email. Now, depending on how busy I am, it may not be that same day, but you know, I am absolutely going to respond to it. Or or if they wish to talk to me on the phone, man, I'm going to call them and I'm going to talk to them, um, and and hear them out and try to work through any issue you know that they bring forward. Where I may not be, I may not give them the answer that they want to have, and 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 oftentimes I, I, you know, I'm not able to. But I'm always going to take the time to make myself available, you know, to have that interaction, to have that dialogue with them, and and while they may leave out of my office or leave out of the building, you know, unhappy that I, I didn't change what they wanted me to change or whatnot, but I also feel that there's an appreciation there that okay, man, this individual cared enough about my concerns or the issues that I had. Uh, to take that time to to try to explain or, or to hear me out, um, and 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 that's you know that's that's what we should all be be aiming for, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean that that's the bottom line. Um, the well, so it, I think the fact that just talking to people and letting them know, I think you know the incident I was telling that that had to deal with the same thing. I mean, as long as you're honest and open with individuals, they they understand. I mean, so you, and then you still give them the service the best that you can, as long as they understand the complexity. The, the, the issue is that people don't want to talk, say that they, because they feel like there's going to be, oh, you don't want to come out here and help us. And that, that's really not. Just if you're open and you can demonstrate that it's VJ talking to you and I'm being, and I'm going to do the best I can, but here's what I'm having to work with. Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to help you, but I need you to understand it's bigger than your corner of the world that I'm yeah. responsible for. And and when you, I think for the most part, most people can kind of appreciate that, you know, because they can, I mean, you know, people can read whether or not you're genuine or not. And that is the key. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they can tell that right out the pocket because you, I mean, it's clearly that you have really good listening skills. So I want to kind of talk about, obviously you talk about your, your ability, your listening skills uh, to the community, because you got to be able to listen besides, because usually there's this, stigma i guess for the profession of law enforcement i got to go in and solve everything no you need to go in and listen and, and mm -hmm. how do you translate those skills to 
frontline officers because that's kind of how you get caught up. I got to get to this call because I got to get there and I got to do this in the response time. But you know, sometimes you just kind of slow down and you got to listen. Those, those that kind of takes a little bit training, not training, but doing. So how do you let them know based on the skills that you have? Listen, do a little listening first before you start making decisions and trying to solve folks' problems. I think it all goes back to, you know, what 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 do you want your department to be known for? What reputation do you want your agency to have? And like I said, for me, it's the customer service piece. And so to to that end, of you know, officers taking the time to to listen is, man, I don't want to rush any officer on any call. And 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 so you know, man, we we had uh, an old saying of, you know, take the time that you need on the call, but also need the time that you take. And so don't just get out there and, and and you know, just milk a call. And we we have all worked with people, you know, <laughs> o- over the decades. I can say that we're, we're both old enough. Over the yeah. decades mm-hmm. that, you know, was notorious, where if you saw them on a call past a certain point, like you knew, I mean, they're they not working that call anymore. You know, they're they're they don't want another call. And so, man, they're going to they're going to get everything <laughs> that they can get out of, out of that one. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, for supervision, for, you know, my, my frontline supervisors, understanding, you know, the, the nuances uh, of that to where, you know, when you have people on calls and I really think, BJ, that's that's where the, the evolution of body cameras really helps us to be able to hone in on that. Um, you know, here in my agency, we have mandatory uh, video reviews that supervisors have to do. And so those are some of the things, you know, that we look for. Like, it's, it's not just, it's, you know, it's not just about like looking for violations and you right. know, trying to right. catch somebody doing something wrong. It's about right. improvement. Yes. It is it is really about improvement and getting better and how do we help people get better. And yeah. so having having that, that video um, you know, snapshot that video proof that we can sit down and 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 talk with a young officer, uh, say, hey, man, you did a really good job of navigating this call and taking the time and to do this and to do that, and we really, really encourage, yeah. you know, everybody to, um, you know, the system we have a personnel management system, and so we're able to give compliments and all of that stuff, and so when somebody has done a good job. Like, hey, man, go in there and put a compliment so they get that that positive reinforcement so yeah. they can see, like, we're not just looking for the bad things or the exactly. mistakes that, yeah. that people make. Cool. Um, but then when we have that example of, okay, man, we 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 could have done a better job here, you know, here are the things that we could have done better. The right. more of that that we can catch on our own, so the more yeah. of that that we can catch internally, we're yes. able to fix those problems and address those things because I would much rather us find out about them Yes. And work with individuals uh, to where I mean their next interaction, they're they're more equipped and they're better equipped to handle it better yeah. versus we don't have any mechanisms in place, you know, to audit ourselves to see how good we're doing. And so the only thing that we have to rely on is a community member coming to complain to us uh, about something or coming, you know, you know, coming to, to say something positive, something good. You know, we should be seeking out that um, that activity just as much as you know we want the community to share that stuff with us and and you know just understanding laying out the expectations you know so people understand like you know what you know what is the apex police department what are we about and 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 what do we want to show what do we want to represent 
oh. um, is is a big way that that we go about, you know, trying to to manage and, and navigate that. So, you know, our officers that are out there, like they understand, you know, what 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 is important to us. Right. Um, and and anytime I find out about an officer that has done something, whether a community member sends something to me or whatnot, you know, I try to make sure that I acknowledge that and, and I send them a message or right. I, I note it uh, in the system so they supervisor see it. Right. Uh, just let them know like, hey, like this is this is what I'm looking for. Yes. I appreciate this right here. There you go. This is this is representative of of what we want to see in, right. in Apex. Right. Um, and, and a lot of it just has to deal with taking the time and spending the time with people, you know, to make them feel as though, hey, you are the most important thing to me right yes. here, right now, um, because they are. Yeah. You're creating that that culture that people always talk about. What kind of culture is there? So since you said compliance, I want to go ahead and segue in the thing that really kind of was driving one of the big factors was your non-sworn civilian internal affairs. Mm hmm. Um, I'd like for you to talk about it and also during your discussion, I'd like to know whether or not, uh, I'm sure there are other agencies that do that, but uh, it was a fact that you're doing it. I'm not aware of anybody else that does it. Oh, okay, that's I want to make sure because somebody asked me about it. I don't think nobody else is doing that because I was telling um, some friends of mine down in Kinston about it. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, the APAs can do it, <laughs> you know. So, so here's, so, so how, how all that came about so when I was in Ferguson, we uh, the town hired a. I well, I gotta, uh, I gotta explain this first. So, uh, BJ consent decree. You familiar with consent decrees? Yes, and and just 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 we have a show just now by Bob Scales, who is okay. 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 Yep. I know. We're I know. I know about it. Yeah. You know. Gotcha. Okay. So he was on my podcast, my last podcast, talked about it. But just briefly, consent decrees is the federal government comes in if they if identify agencies who have a pattern of practice of basically bad stuff, and the federal yep. government comes in and they do whatever they do, investigate, and then it's a consent decree for the departments to do stuff. Go ahead. <laughs> yes, and so so the consent decree is a is a document that list out all of the, the mandates that you have to meet. So in Ferguson, our consent decree was 465 paragraphs long. Jeez. And so just consider each paragraph is something that you have to do. Right. And you have to show compliance with doing it. Yeah. We have 465 paragraphs of that. Mm -hmm. so, so before I got there, they, they, they had always had a sworn person in the position to manage the consent decree in Ferguson. So it's called a, you know, consent decree coordinator. Okay. And they, are, they they had always used a sworn person for that. So before I got hired as the chief there, um, the, the leadership of the town had made a decision to, to, to go a different route with the consent decree um, management. And, and they, they wanted to hire a non-sworn individual uh, that had more project management and and law enforcement oversight background experience to be in that position. Okay. So so I get hired as the chief, and then a month or two later, uh, the town hires a new consent decree coordinator who was not a sworn law enforcement uh, officer, and uh, her name is uh, Nicole. Nicole Barton. And so me and Nicole worked side by side um, for a couple of years. 
on the consent decree on our reforms and our, our policy, like just everything consent decree related. And we made a, a sizable improvement as an organization um, with our re reforms and the work that we were doing uh, with our consent decree and just our, our federal oversight as a whole. Wow. And, and, and what that experience taught me because I have to admit, like, I, I don't think this is something that I would have, I would have done on my own mm -hmm. because, you know, law enforcement is sworn, you know, we, we, we don't think anybody that's not sworn can do anything, you know, in our <laughs> space. That's, that's often how we walk around and, and, right. and how we, you know, how we talk about people. Right. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, like I said, I didn't make this decision in Ferguson. It was made before I got there. So I was, I was just, you know, working with the hand that I was dealt. Right. But the benefit that I saw in working in that environment and, and, and then also, you know, we had a, a civilian review board uh, that we had to work with. And so my Nicole, she was the liaison to the civilian review board. And so now you have a civilian that's leading that charge that is, is working, you know, with our group of civilians. And there was just a different connection there. It's just a, a different connection there. And, and, and what I saw in that space is that, you know, it wasn't as confrontational as the discussions, you know, typically are when there's a sworn person that is 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 trying to explain things to the review board. Or heck, even when I was trying to explain things to the review board, um, and and so you know the the progress that we made and and the benefit of of having a non-sworn person in that space, uh, not only to some of the the outputs that we had as an agency as an organization but also the benefits of, of, of the trust that was built in the community and, and the trust that the community had and somebody that they knew uh, and, and they got to interact with. And, and, you know, so somebody's making a complaint on a police officer and everybody knows that that complaint is going to funnel through the consent decree coordinator who is not a police officer. Right, like, okay, right. I feel, I feel a little bit more comfortable about this because <laughs> yeah, I don't trust you sense. all. Mm -hmm. I don't trust you all to investigate your own. And that's often, you know, yeah. that's often how people feel. And that's, that's what we right. hear when we talk to people out in the community. Yep. So, yep. Yeah. so when I came here to apex, um, I was like, all right, I'm gonna take that same, that same ideas. Now, granted, I don't have a consent decree here. Right. That, but, you know, so with, with the position that I had in Ferguson, so Nicole, her position was not a part of the police department. Okay. Um, it was just a part of the town, right. but it wasn't part of the police department. Gotcha. And so what I wanted to do coming here was kind of create that same position and do a lot of, a, a lot of, um, you know, similar work and oversight of our organization and auditing and just all of the things that we need to be looking at and paying attention to, to make sure that, you know, we're doing the best that we can do and that we're improving where we need to improve mm -hmm. and we're holding ourselves accountable. If we have any problems, all right, I want us to find out about them as quickly as possible so we can address them and, and handle them and fix them and correct them. Um, and, and, and then also, you know, having somebody that, you know, is not a police officer that is not sworn from that community facing peace where, I mean, if you file a complaint, if, if you don't like the service that one of my officers provided, I mean, the person that's going to be calling you that you're going to be working through that, man, is not a police officer and has never been a police officer here. Um, and 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 I just I just felt that there was, you know, real power in that yeah. um, and a benefit in, in how we navigate those those spaces. Um, 
So, you know, when I got here, you know, I created the position. And so why I say I don't think it exists anywhere else, because I remember when we was uh, trying to put together the job description right. and when HR got back with me, they was like, chief, like we, we, we doing all the search and we can't find anything like this anywhere. I was like, cause I don't, I don't awesome. think it exists anywhere. Wow. That's great. That's great. I love it. I mean, that, that is, well, I'll be one of the folks out here telling folks and, and I, I meet law enforcement folks that that's just the way to go because it's just too much I don't trust. Because the work that I do, the first and one of the driving reasons I even started a business be, being a police executive and I would hear folks, say, especially in the black community, I'm mm -hmm. not filing a complaint because I don't trust y'all to do that. And yep. so, you know, the conversation is, come on, boo, you can file a complaint because if I don't know, I can't do nothing about it. You know, so, you know, I don't need you coming to me after my office has done something. You talking on WRAL. I need to know now. And yeah. I'm trying to break down and, and get them to understand. Yes. You know, and, and the work that you're doing is identifying issues prior to that event happening or removing that officer from your agency, if that need be. But I also believe that a lot of this happens on the street because you're not going to know all of it. And so there, right. there is some responsibility for our community members to hold us accountable and, and instead of waiting for something to happen and then they go, well, yeah, I knew BJ was always like that, but you ain't tell nobody. Yeah. You ain't tell nobody. So though, so yeah, I I'm I am I'm glad to hear that you're you're it. And so I'm gonna be out here pumping that out, that idea, what you've done, because I think people need to know about it. Other agencies should probably take hold. Uh the other thing, the last thing I want to talk about or ask you about was that diversity, because because my friend also talked about you. You know, diversity has nothing to do necessarily with one's ethnicity. You are more about the diversity should just represent the community. And I think I'm mainly talking about just because I'm old school is that whole dress code thing that, you you know, you want your officers oh. to reflect the members. <laughs> you know, you've kind of blown that out of the water from what I understand from from my friend. And I, and I can appreciate that because uh, I think she was telling me the story about you, you went across the moat and. Mm -hmm. women in uniform look like women, you know, yes. and, and and over here, women in uniform look like the next guy. Yes. Now, they don't they don't make police uniforms or police belts for women. They they don't. And so, yeah. kind of give us a little bit of insight on onto that, and then I'll probably be ready to let you go home. <laughs> yeah. So so like I said, I I, I took a, a law enforcement. I did a, a program overseas um, many years ago, oh. and and I, I just I remember being over there. And and as I'm interacting, you know, with their officers and stuff, um, like it was something I was like, I right, mean, the the female officers over here just seem different. And and it took it took me a couple of days before it, it clicked in my mind before it registered. It's like the reason that I keep saying that they, they is just something different about them is like they look like women. Like they look like women. You know, they were wearing their hair down. Um, you know, some of if they chose to do so, you know, right. wear their hair down, you know, they they had different, you know, kind of uniforms. Uh, I remember the shoes, the shoes was a big one. Like now it wasn't heel. Well, I, I don't know, like wedges or something like they they were they were able to wear different type shoes. OK. Um, and like like all of that stuff. And, and it was all a part of, you know, just the uniform options that that they had uh, available to them. And and that that just it, it really stuck with me and, and it really got you know just my, my mind churning, you know, because we we talk about you know representation and and what do people see uh in the officers that are out in their community, and especially when we talk about how challenging it is to get people to want to do this job and to come into the profession in this day and age. Yeah. Where, 
you know, will we have a better a better opportunity to recruit people and, and try to encourage people to, to come in this profession? If when they looked at our officers, man, they saw a version of themselves represented in us. Right. And 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 so that and that goes way beyond just, you know, the pigmentation of somebody's skin. Yes. And so man, when I got back, you know, some of the changes that I, I made, you know, in policies, you know, had to deal with hair. You know, I loosened the restrictions, you know, on hair where, I mean, your hair can come down and can't touch your collar, uh, you know, just, just <laughs> right. like like thing, things like that. Um, you know, earrings, you know, we yeah. changed our, our earring policy where, you know, man, I don't restrict my males from wearing earrings if they choose to to wear earrings. Like right. that's that's just that's where society is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and, you know, you know, fingernail polish, you know, like all of those things, you know, we we relaxed a lot of that stuff, you know, tattoo policies, beards and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And and I, I'll never forget as a as a younger officer. Who who has tattoos, so I, I, I have tattoos and stuff. And I remember I came into work one day and the chief had changed the tattoo policy or had rolled out a new tattoo policy to organization and had restricted tattoos from being visible so it didn't matter you know in atlanta georgia you know if it's a uh, hundred degrees outside yeah. you had tattoos on your arm you had to wear long sleeves you know to, to cover it up right. and and you know but we we never got a chance to to offer ask any questions about like i mean why 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 is that policy going in mm-hmm. and you know what is the the negative outlook on it because i can tell you how many conversations i've had with people because they saw i had a tattoo it's like, oh man, man, you a police officer with a tattoo? Hey, you know, let me look at that and what does that mean? And and it gets a conversation started. Yeah, um, and 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 so just all of those nuances that make up and represent the people in our community. Yes. I just I just you know I felt that that we were doing ourselves a disservice um, if we didn't try to if we didn't try to capture that you know for the the people that that are are coming in here uh, to work for us and and for them to feel more comfortable and more welcome and to feel like I mean they can be themselves when they come here and and do this job for us then also people out in the community um, to see you know somebody that that looks like them where you know my male officers you know they can have cornrows you know if they if they desire and we have officers that may have locks and different things like that where back when we first got into the game yeah. BJ yeah, no. Nope. And they, they they wouldn't if you if you walked in the building and you had locks or, or cornrows, they wouldn't even hand you an application. They're like, nah, this place isn't for you. No. And so, you know, we gotta think like how many quality people yeah. did we not even open ourselves exactly. up to being able to come in and do this job? Exactly. Um, because uh, you know, some of the restrictions and the policies mm-hmm. um that were that were put on the books um that that people, you know. Back when the profession was was more uh, one sided, um, where now I mean that's not the profession that we have today, and 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 we we have to you know we have to be more open minded and and what that looks like, um, and 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 we we got to take some risk, um, you know everybody in the community is not going to be you know supportive of that, um, and and I get it, but you know man I can I can stand on you know the reason why I made some of the decisions that I made, um, and. And you, you just, you know, you, you have to, you have to be comfortable with that. Yeah, it's a different day and it's a different generation too. And so, and, and those individuals that are out there now, um, they're more diverse, they're more uh, willing to accept, accepting. And it's not so like, like you said, I mean, I'm definitely way older than you uh, as far as, you know, coming in and, and the, those I sat around with the table. I mean, I recognize where they came from, but 
you know, we were able to work together. You know, we knew, mm-hmm. you know, you you go home your way and I'll go home my way. But when we come to work, we work. But still, there's we got to understand it's a new generation. And we want that next generation. And I tell folks that next generation is in the building. You know, the future is sitting in the building. They're they're sitting in the cars. They're in the leadership roles now. And, and it's, it's coming. It's happening now. You just got to identify that. So I appreciate you you taking the time. I, I you know, I like your philosophy and the climate that you created, and and I kind of want to uh, thank you for 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 doing this. You definitely represent the the next generation of leaders, and and um, I'm sure the things that you know that I'm aware of that I may not be as as happy about, but your philosophy mirrors the work that I I was doing there and continue to do because it's always about the community first and and treating human beings like human beings, mm-hmm. um, and also just for folks, you know. I, and don't think that simply because he's a black male that this doesn't happen. It, it does. I assure you, this is the philosophy and implementations of our leaders are just as diverse. They're doing the work that he's doing. So please don't get it misconstrued that well we need a we need a black chief. No, you you need someone that sees human beings as human beings and understand that this is a new day, and and the way that you can do that is getting involved as community members and and saying this is what we want uh, in our community. And and you know I, I guess I. I don't know how this bringing in politics a little bit because people are like, why well, we don't hire the chief? Well, kind of you do, kind of you do. If if you hire the elected officials who believe in you know the kind of policing that you want, then what's going to happen is they're going to end up hiring that particular person. So you got to get involved. Let let your folks who are leading your community leaders or people yeah. making those big decisions, you have to let them know what kind of law enforcement leadership you want that's the only way that you're going to do that you have got to get involved at some point and i know it's difficult people don't don't feel like they the voice is going to be heard but they will and then you'll end up with someone like uh, jason armstrong that understands he wants you to know jason and that the chief is just a part of the job that he does and 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 i am just honored and humbled to know that uh that i have you here and also the thing that you're doing i'm definitely about this uh what you've done with your internal affairs i think that's future um, and stuff. So thank you again uh, for that. Is there any any kind of closing remarks that, that you ha- have for my folks? Absolutely. So if anybody out there that's watching this is looking for a job, <laughs> I have some positions open. Go to the Apex Police Department's website. Uh, so in, in, in even in line, one, one position that I have open right now is so the compliance manager is the name of, of um, my civilian uh, position that okay. oversees my office of professional standards. Right. And we have another position in there that is a compliance specialist. So, you know, you would work under that person. And so you would be, um, you know, an, an investigator and, and you would assist the compliance manager in the complaints, investigations and all of that stuff. And so we have that position posted right now. You know, mm-hmm. so if somebody, you know, has some experience with investigations, but not at, in law enforcement or not, um, um, is not a sworn officer, is not looking for a sworn position, uh, but wants to to do this work and wants to be uh, working in a police department and, and help, you know, make sure that that everybody in our agency um, is 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 operating at a, at a high level. Uh, we we have we have a couple of positions uh, that are still left open that that, that I always want to direct people to. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I do a lot of these podcast interviews and stuff, and and a one way that we help each other is I get some advertising out of. 
<laughs> we don't have no problem with doing it. Help me with that. So yeah. Yes. All. Yes. Yes. So thank you again, and I really appreciate it. And for those of you that uh, have are listening, let folks know about it, and definitely check out uh, his website for those that might be sick. It's a good profession. Uh, and I'll add on to that too. Uh, and the work again, the, the for the black community, we have a tendency to believe that that's not a viable career. And I would offer and suggest to you that it is the stuff you see on TV. It's about what you just heard this uh, Jason talk about. It's about service, serving the community and making a difference and caring about uh, what's going on in your community. So so community members, let some folks know this next generation that that this is a definitely a, a worthy career. And it's a it's a it's a career of service uh, to other human beings uh, in moments of crisis. So again, thank you, uh, Jason, for being here. And to folks that listen, I really appreciate it. And as always, stay safe, stay well, and peace.